Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast. It's settled. We now know that Edinburgh are the first winners of the Italian Scottish Shield and they took home the 1872 Cup as well. Matt, what a victory for Edinburgh. Do you think the city is now finally united um, behind this team? I mean, I thought they'd united it last year, but I think those old rivalries between Portobello and Castorfin, they they run deep. but I, I'm, I'm still yeah, not it, it was quite ni- sure. It was nice to see the, yeah. Yeah, I'm still not quite sure if the final chapter has been finished. Yeah. Because, <laughs> is that the end of the 1872 Cup? Is that what they're implying? It's, it's, it's the never-ending story. There's just always <laughs> exactly, a... Exactly, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it is. There's always a final chapter. chapter. <laughs> always. So, so do you think Edinburgh will be doing an, an open-top bus tour through... Uh, through the city with the two the two trophies, Alan? I think the answer is 100% no. I think the, the real question <laughs> is if they did do it and you had sort of Ben Velicott, you know, King Horn sort of popping bottles on top of like a Lothian bus, how many people are coming out for it? Give it bearing in mind that a lot of these happen sort of during the day on a Monday. Ian Wallace definitely driving that bus as well. <laughs> that would be good. that would be great. That would, that, that would be yeah, great. That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. We, we we think in three figures. I think uh, you just yes, have to I... do do the Murrayfield mile from obviously from Murrayfield back up into town and just time it so it's like lunchtime. So all of like the offices at like the West End are sort of spilling out to make it look like there's a few more people, but they're obviously just like sort of not not there for the actual parade. <laughs> Nice. We're going to do a little bit of news. We'll come back 
to the big Edinburgh versus Glasgow game at the weekend and look forward to the quarterfinals of the URC and talk about what that um, result means for things next season um, for both the teams. Um, but let's start off with a little bit of news. I'm not sure. I think we missed it just by sort of a few hours the last time we recorded. But Matt, Hugh Jones, obviously coming back to um, Glasgow after a year at Harlequins. Um, I guess, what do, you, what do you make of this signing? Obviously, he's sort of fallen out of favour, but he's been showing signs of form, playing 15 for Quinns. You know, what do you think it tells us about about Glasgow for next season? Yeah, I was pretty surprised when I saw the news, just because, as you say, he seems to be playing pretty well at Harlequins and getting a lot more game, game time in their bigger matches in the Prem. And it seems like he's a pretty popular player there at the moment. Um, I wonder if the the draw of a, a World Cup in particular was was enough to bring him back to to Glasgow because probably if you look at Glasgow versus Quinns at the moment they're they're on slightly different trajectories. Um, so yeah, I was pretty pretty surprised, but it's it, it I think it shows a little like it, it's good for the fans. It shows like confidence in the team. It shows backing in the team because he is that sort of blockbuster player. We sort of discussed it. Normally in signings, you at least see sort of like the clear motivation from one side, one one party, whether it's the player or the club. And I think when the signing first came out, it was actually a little bit hard to see why either side was like happy with this deal. Yeah. And I think with Jones, obviously, you don't know what's happening at Quinns, but to your point, you know, he's, he's ultimately sort of starting in a lot of big matches. And you know, ultimately, he's he, he seems to be... So oh, enjoying that sort of culture down there, but to your point, you know maybe he's missed out on the World Cup. You'd imagine that 2023 is going to be his last opportunity to um, add a World Cup potentially. So maybe he sees this as just sort of the best way to to progress in that space. From a Glasgow standpoint, though, you know, looking even at the match this weekend, doesn't quite feel that the backs is where that sort of investment is needed. Or do you think maybe it sort of shows a little bit of a lack of faith in, I guess, ultimately the depth at the centre and 15? I, I agree. I think that Glasgow are probably fairly stacked at, particularly in the back three. I think there's a lot of players there, Mackay, McLean, Forbes, Ollie Smith, who can almost like play across probably all of those back three positions. But there is Ollie Smith as a specialist fullback. So to me, that suggests that Jones is being signed as a as a 13, which when you consider they've, you know, you've got Johnson, you've got two below two, you know, maybe it makes sense adding a bit more depth in that position. I think the the issue with maybe, and we'll come on to it, with Glasgow at the weekend was they've got some exciting players in the back line, but they weren't able to get them into it at all. So I, I think it depends on whether they can actually make the most of Jones because we know what he's like at, at his best. And I think he's, Whilst his time at Glasgow wasn't actually probably, it was a bit underwhelming. I think in in fits and bursts, he he showed how class he can be. Well, one area that at the weekend where Glasgow were found wanting was up front, and they are looking to bolster that area for next season. They've announced this week signing of uh, Sintu Manjezi from the Bulls. He's described. As a back five forward, I think largely plays in the second row, but that suggests that they think he can maybe do a shift in the back row as well. 
Alan, I don't suppose you know too much about our man Sintu, but does it tell anything about sort of, um, I guess, the strategy for Glasgow and how they're looking to sort of attack their weaknesses for next year? Sort of just taking a page out of um, a lot of the kind of Premiership club playbook, whether it's sort of Saracens, Leicester, Sale have all done it, where ultimately when you're sort of feeling a little bit underpowered up front and you sort of need a bit of time to kind of build up those capabilities in um, kind of yourself, you sort of just like ship in a couple of big slabs of meat from South Africa to help kind of show yourself up. And to be fair, like, you know, I guess generally Scotland and Edinburgh have done a little bit more of this, especially kind of in the front row. Um, and whilst I sort of appreciate this, you know, you get sort of the usual kind of anger, I think, from fans around, you know, this is sort of stopping players getting a chance. I think what one of the things has shown this year is a, especially around that back five, as if, if that's in, of the forwards, Glasgow don't have the strength and depth. And that includes both a lot of the senior players and youngsters coming through. You know, people like Brown can be good, but ultimately they're not ready to, or I don't believe, Right yet they're ready to sort of be starting and you know in these sort of games against like a Munster, a Leinster, an Ulster, etc. Well, you just have to look at the weekend. I mean, that second row, and again, we'll, we'll come through the 1872 later, but a second row of Rob Harley and Richie Gray, two players that are towards the very tail end of their careers. You would say, you know, it's not. Uh, it is an area where they need to need to improve if they're going to stay at the top end of the of the league. I guess also two South African players that probably aren't going to play for South Africa and aren't going to be able... So yeah. you've kind of got them for the sort of full stretch of the season. Yeah. It, it may be the signings, if you look at them as a whole, maybe just re- reflects where Glasgow are at the moment. Maybe they're not as an attractive a proposition as it used to be. If you think about it, you've got a guy from the Bulls who hasn't actually played much rugby recently. And with the caveat that you could, could have said the same about Jack Dempsey, that he was injury prone, but he's been great. JP Dupree can't get into the sale team and Vailanu has been like, you know, moved between a lot of premiership clubs. Maybe, as I say, that's just the market at the moment and that's what Glasgow, that's all Glasgow can really do. Do you remember when we were chatting about buying Aaron Cruden? Those were great times. Oh, uh, yeah. Because he was mates with Dave Rennie. Mates with Dave Rennie. Yeah. <laughs> I think sort of historic- days. Yeah, I think looking back at it, I think that was, I remember Hugh Jones was probably the most surprising one when he sort of first came, because I was kind of a little bit like, you just didn't really expect Glasgow to be buying, take bringing in yeah. players who were established at international level and hadn't become established in Scotland when, when playing club rugby in, in Scotland. Um, but no, I think you're, I think you're potentially right that both from a sort of attractiveness standpoint, I'm not sure Glasgow has the same sort of heft it had four or five years ago. The only other thing was that I, I did think that they might have a little bit more to to um, sort of be able to play with in the in the market, just given the fact that salaries in England and France are getting a little bit uh, are sort of being pushed down. So you've seen mm-hmm. quite a few sort of big signings from a few of like the Welsh provinces, like Fafita, etc., sort of going there. So it, clearly, I think the URC does have a little bit more weight in the market versus sort of France and England versus where it used to sort of five, six years ago, but that hasn't really translated into any sort of big kind of foreign signings from sort of Edinburgh or Glasgow. Dodson, man, he's, he's, he's keeping his, keeping his eyes on the pennies. Can't, can't be, can't be getting too exuberant right now. 
Absolutely. Well, and uh, down the other end of the uh, of the MA, nothing brand new, but a couple of stalwarts have renewed uh, for Edinburgh. Pierre Sherman and uh, Mark Bennett both sort of locked in for the next couple of years there. I think Matt, particularly with Schumann, I think Edinburgh will be very happy to have kept him under sort of lock and key for the next couple of years. Yeah, it's a pretty big signing. I, I kind of speculated in the newsletter that I would have expected there to be interest from, from England or maybe France in particular, actually, um, just because he'd been so good for Edinburgh and has proved at that international level that he can he can cut it. So but he just he just loves playing. He just loves living in Edinburgh, representing the city. It's just so... It's so wholesome. It's like just loves the gunners. Obsession. Yeah, exactly. Loves the gunners. Love to see it. So yeah, it's it's really good good bit of business, I think. And long term deal, whatever that means. Three years, presumably. I think three years. Do do you feel like of all of Edinburgh's players, he would be the one that was most coveted, kind of in in, in France and England, etc. I think he would suit the game in France. Like they, you know, love kind of Safa. Props. I could see him like being signed by Montpellier, for instance. Yeah, for sure, and him absolutely loving it. Oh yeah, him becoming like you know getting the keys to the city of Montpellier, <laughs> and then obviously Mark Bennett, you know, a huge sort of breakthrough star back in like 2015, which is a really long time ago now. But he seems to now be really sort of back, reaching those heights. Um, Alan, so a- another good one to, to keep um, to keep in Edinburgh. Well, I think Bennett's real breakthrough was when uh, he came up against me, me and Matt Haney in 2011, and uh, we, sh- we showed him, we showed him a thing or two, a couple, couple of wise. I'm sure, old. he did plenty of break, breaking through <laughs> your horrible defence. Yeah, I was, I was directly marking him that day. Yeah. And I only played a half, and look, I might have, I might have a selective memories of it, but he didn't get past me. Stuart Hogg, on the <laughs> other hand, it was he was jogging, he was jogging around all of us, <laughs> but. <laughs> But to your point, you know, ultimately he's clearly gone through sort of quite significant peaks and troughs, sort of through so sort of that 2014, 2015 period where he was both for sort of club and country, like pretty pretty standout player, and then had this sort of trough, especially sort of between you know 2017, 2019, didn't make the World Cup. And and now it's a, it's a difficult one, I guess. I think if you were to pinpoint probably the two most consistent centres, Scottish centres. You'd probably go for for him and Chris Harris, I guess. Just the, the annoyances that doesn't feel like they can, they can particularly sort of play together in the centre. So it's just how how does Bennett and can Bennett actually get into that Scotland team if he sort of continues to play at the level he does? Because I think you know, whilst he only had sort of a few moments with the ball um, on Saturday, I think it was quite clear to see that you know he, he just is a, a world class player. Yeah, well, we'll hopefully get to see um, plenty of him this summer um, on the tour. You'd hope that he'd get some some game time there, maybe trying out some new combinations that we haven't seen in the centre for Scotland. But that's the new section over. Let's go back and have a look at the, the 1872 Cup game from the weekend. As I say, a fairly comfortable victory for Edinburgh in the end, 28 points to 11. They take the inaugural Italian-Scottish Shield um, but also they overcome the 13-point deficit to take the 1872 Cup, and they have won for themselves a trip to Cape Town, a long weekend in Cape Town to play against the Stormers in the quarterfinals of the um, the URC. I mean, Matt, I think we were all watching it, but were you impressed with Edinburgh 
or was it a case that Glasgow just weren't up to snuff? I think Edinburgh always looked the better side. And I think about sort of 40, 45 minutes in, it was a question of whether they would kick on or whether it would remain a bit of a scrappy affair and Glasgow would, would stick in. But I think Edinburgh's quality uh, told in the end. Um, I think that they had the edge up front um, and the backs just did the really simple things well. And yeah, I think the set piece was solid. Uh, One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Uh, they took the tries well. It, it was maybe like a kind of seven out of ten performance, which... I suppose it's encouraging, and I think Edinburgh can be a lot better than that. In, in terms of Glasgow, like they were always going to stick in. It's, it's that Derby match, um, and they were clearly up for it at the start, but it was kind of a combination of like poor discipline, like you know, encapsulated probably by Rob Harley against Sinbin for just like, that stupid um, bit of like petty play, Ryan Wilson getting done for um, silly off the ball stuff. And then when they actually got the ball, it was sort of pretty lateral go a bit left go a bit right run out of ideas put in a pretty average kick it it just didn't seem as if Glasgow had had much direction and um you know when Edinburgh started to build up the lead you you could you couldn't really see Glasgow coming back into it felt a bit bad for Harley when he was coming off it's like basically his final ever game in Scotland um, yeah and and right Ryan, um Danny Wilson was asked about it and I think if it hadn't, he was like, look, I've got a lot of respect for this guy. He's given so much to the club. I'm not going to, you know, bag him for it. Do you want, do you want to bag him on Danny uh, Wilson's behalf, Alan? Or? Nah, I mean, it was dumb, <laughs> right? I guess one of, the, one of the annoyances with, I guess, Glasgow and the sort of, especially sort of some of the sort of Glasgow senior players this, this season is, I think, you know, ultimately when you've got these sort of people in place, just sort of hoping that they are the sort of why, you know, the wise heads or the ones that are able to you traditionally get away with kind of like illegal play, but in a sort of way that they get away with it. And one of the annoying things, it seems like we've got these guys, but if anything, they're more likely to get caught than your sort of normal players. I, I don't know. Like these, I think they seem to think that they're sort of like these masters of the dark arts, but it, it never really seems to actually translate into into the match, um, and I think yeah, it was it was particularly annoying for I imagine for Danny Wilson just because to your point there, there was this sort of ten minutes post half time where Edinburgh really kind of shifted gear 
and were really sort of applying the pressure. And I think sort of between 50 and 60 minutes, there was a few opportunities for Glasgow to try and sort of switch that momentum um, around. And actually a lot of the reason why they weren't able to do that was because of just silly mistakes from especially sort of senior players, um, which meant they sort of had to give up territory, etc. So I imagine it's sort of deeply frustrating. And obviously Danny Wilson knows he's like under a little bit of pressure as well. Um, and then Matt, and say, you say that the Edinburgh team, you know, the backs in particular did the simple things well. Are you describing Chris Dean's no-look pass as simple? Or was that really the touch of a, a world-class, soon-to-be international rugby player? I mean, it was lovely. He he did all the simple things extremely well and then added a little flourish with that no-look pass. Um, and even in the build-up, his, his switch with Bennett was exactly how you're, you're coached to do a switch at school, like running straight first, a bit of footwork, fixing the defender, take it to the line. Yeah, it's just, it was, it was poetry in motion, I think. You think that grubber was meant to be picked up by Darcy Graham? Or was it just a sort of grubber to the corner? <laughs> well, I, I I can't get I can't comprehend the you know the the that guy's rugby ability and, and vision. So you know I, I trust him on it. But another another strong performance from Blair Kinghorn as well. Try scoring just seems to have a knack and an ability to create a little bit of space. He's got long arms. Seems to get his hands free quite a lot, which was sort of pretty helpful in the build up to the first first try. And I think he's now. Edinburgh's joint second try scorer ever or something like that. It's quite yeah, a significant right. stat. Yeah, it's like yeah, three of three of them tied tied second. Yeah. Sort of him, Simon Webster and someone else with Patterson, obviously Patterson, big maybe. Patterson, yeah. And then Visser's that Visser's like forty tries ahead though, isn't he? It is yeah. like there's a huge gulf. Yeah, exactly. Do hands like well, obviously kind of third after those tied at base. But I think his like try to game ratio is just like massively ahead of everyone. It's just the fact that they had like three seasons. Yeah. I was think I was thinking about I was thinking about Duhan as we talked a little bit offline, you know, money aside, you know, if you would have kept Duhan in this Edinburgh team and Rory Sutherland in this Edinburgh team, it, it would have been it, it would have been even better. And I just wonder if they're maybe not regretting their move to Worcester, but Worcester are really poor and sort of struggling for any semblance of sort of form. I know they won the Premiership Cup, but that's not much to hey, sort of shout about. Can't, can't denigrate Murray McCallum winning the Premiership Cup. I would never do anything to make fun of Magnet. <laughs> I think I think that's on the record. Um, but yeah. I imagine Duhan, I imagine they do regret it. And then there's sort of 300 and 400 bags per annum, sort of just like are a nice comfort blanket as they sort of think about that regret. After tax, like 13, 14 grand a month dropping into your paycheck. In Worcester. 15. <laughs> I know yeah, in Worcester, Worcester, yeah. You, couldn't, you actually like would a, struggle to spend it. Buy like a country pile. I, I think I think Duhan in particular is probably already putting out some, some feelers for a move to France. Yeah. I feel like he's got a Toulon written all over him. They're sort of in a little bit exactly. of a rebuild. And he would tear it up, to be fair. So. Yeah, he scored a lot of tries, missed a lot of tackles. Yeah. <laughs> Going back to, to Glasgow, there obviously late consolation score from, from Ollie Smith. We touched on him there when we were talking about Hugh Jones, but Alan, 
he seems to be sort of finding his feet at this level and really exciting prospects. Absolutely. And I think it's one of these weird ones where, again, I'd probably put it similar to sort of Ross Thompson a little bit, where it feels like Ollie Smith's been chatted about for quite a while, whether it's through sort of under 20s or with air, and then obviously up with sort of the Super 6. And I think a lot of people, and especially people sort of who were talking to us, were saying he just needs an opportunity for a bit of game time for Glasgow. And he'll be an absolute superstar. And again, he just, for some reason, I think it felt a little bit like they were a bit reticent to to sort of ship him into that first team. But now he's sort of come in. I, I genuinely do think he looks like more of a natural sort of professional rugby player than, than even someone like sort of a, a Rufus McLean. I know Rufus McLean's got the pure speed, but Ollie Smith just looks so comfortable on the ball. And I'd say similar to sort of Darcy Graham, seems to be able to ride tackles or make sort of positive um, meters in in the contact, which for someone of his size is super impressive, right? Do you remember he he made his debut at the same time as like Rufus McLean? Um, And I think he probably was held in higher regard, but I think he might have had his first couple of games didn't exactly go to plan. So whilst Rufus McLean's career from that point, like skyrocketed, culminating in the Scotland cap, Ollie Smith, you know, struggled to break through after that point. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like when he's been given shots this season, he's been, looks like a real, real player, like a pretty accomplished all-round fullback. And the fact that they've moved Josh Mackay out to the wing is is pretty telling. Yeah. And I imagine if I was the SOU spokesperson, and this might not all line up, I would say, look, he was playing Prem Rugby and he got shipped into Glasgow and he just didn't quite make it. And then he had a season at Super 6 and he's now he's now ready for the big time. Therefore, the Super 6 is a valid concept. Can you all fuck off? I, I would literally love an official statement that ended with, can you all fuck off? <laughs> It'd be brilliant. But lo- looking forward to the, to the, to the quarterfinals, um, Let's focus on the potentially positive one because I'm not entirely sure what we're going to get out of a conversation about Glasgow going to Leinster. But Matt, Stormers, are, they won the South African Shield. They've been, I think, unbeaten since sort of February, March time. But am I wrong in thinking that, you know, Edinburgh can go down there with perhaps thinking that they can get something out of this game? I mean, I, part of me thinks, I don't see why not. Um, the fact that they've already been to South Africa um, one against the Sharks in like a, a game that probably wasn't suited to the Edinburgh style. It was a bit more about in the in the rain. It was a bit more about sort of grit and forward play. Um, I think they, you know, it's only Glasgow they've beaten, but I think they've got a decent amount of momentum behind them now. Um, I mean, it's hard to tell. Like I, the, the South African teams like have obviously come on to a really good game and are completely different to the to the sides that toured the UK previously in the year where Edinburgh and Stormers uh, drew, if you remember. So I think, I think the Stormers are still favourites, but if, if Edinburgh can get out like close to that full-strength pack and, and give Kinghorn, etc., a decent platform, it's a big test for Kinghorn, actually. Like this could be, I mean, I think, feel like we've said it for a while, but you know he's kind of had his chances in the big games against you know, Wasps and uh, Ulster, for instance. So maybe it's third time lucky here and he, he's able to to drive them to the win. I guess if they do get the results, it's then a home semi-final 
Yeah. Which is, I, 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 and that won't be against, that will be against either what, Munster or Ulster. Ulster. Which I feel like away, you'd say difficult, but actually I imagine for a lot of those Edinburgh players, they would see that as a, an eminently winnable match mm. at home against both of those teams. So I think Edinburgh probably feel like they've come out of that, the kind of this, the kind of back end of the, the season where they sort of lost Ulster, et cetera, where, you know, it looked like it, the season could be coming off the rails. It feels like from that point to now having Storm was away and then potentially a home semi-final feels like a good outcome for them. Yeah. And then uh, Glasgow, I mean, are we being too downbeat, Matt, or does it feel that actually, you know, even if Glasgow can keep it, respectable on the scoreboard this is that will be a good result away to this Leinster team yeah I'm not holding my breath you know even if it was like a Munster away or an Ulster I think that Glasgow showing that on their day they can at least get close to the sides if not beat them whereas I think Leinster just the Scottish teams have struggled against them massively in recent years and you know I think Leinster could probably still play like I don't think they'll play a second or third string team, but I think they could rest players, rotate guys in and still have enough for Glasgow who, look, I, I don't doubt that they'll be going into that game like wanting to be as competitive as possible, but it's been like a long, pretty difficult season for them. Um, I don't think they'll exactly be like loving the idea, but I hope that they prove me wrong on that. But I, yeah, as I say, I'm not not putting any money on, on a Glasgow win, sadly. Keep it under 50, Alan? Well, it's a difficult one. I guess we, you said at the start there that they sort of struggled with Leinster. I guess the last time Glasgow were really sort of competing with Leinster was probably the back end of those sort of Dave Rennie years where, was that the year where I think they went out and they won away at um, yeah. at Dublin um, and obviously then just missed out in the in the final. It, it's an interesting one, I guess. Look, I, I think you know, Leinster ultimately put Munster away with what is broadly a second team last week. You know, they've got La Rochelle this week and then they're going to have sort of hopefully then quarterfinal, semifinal, final. I, I wonder whether Leinster will sort of weigh it all up and decide to put out a second team just because of sort of player management, etc. You know, Sexton's yeah. not going to play four games in a row, right? So it's an interesting one sort of motivationally for Glasgow. I guess you're sort of looking at it and you're like, right, we've got literally obviously nothing really to lose. No one thinks we're going to be get within 20 They've got sort of two weeks to build up, whereas ultimately Leinster probably aren't going to start thinking about this game until sort of the Monday next week. And there's a high chance that they send out, if not a second team, then at least a very weekend for weekend first team. So bearing all that in mind, I still think Glasgow will lose quite like comfortably. Lose comfortably. Quite I don't know. Nice. I, I just, no. <laughs> you know, I think like ultimately what you've seen with like a lot of the games, especially recently, is I can very easily see like a halftime score similar to this week of sort of 39, you know, Glasgow managing to stay in the fight. And then as seems to be increasingly the case for Glasgow and th- that the, the team they're playing is just able to sort of grab that momentum sort of at the beginning to the mid of the second half and then sort of really sort of pull away from them. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's anything you've seen recently that suggests that that isn't going to happen against even a Leinster second team. We will see. Strange things can happen. It's a free hit for them. The expectations are so low um, that you never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, so we'll be back at some stage. I personally am off for two weeks of holiday, so you guys are in charge. Um, 
leaving you the keys to Thistle HQ. Um, so use them, use them very wisely. Um, but as ever, keep in touch with us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod, on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod, and get yourself on a Substack and subscribe to the newsletter. That's Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast on Substack. Um, otherwise, we will speak to you very, very soon. Cheers. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.